Hello, dear friends, it's Carly, and welcome to another episode of the I Learned podcast. We shall see, we shall see what unfolds if this episode is even usable. My head is still kind of cloudy, but I have found such a therapeutic movement of energy in making these episodes that I'm I'm very tempted to tune into this energy energy flow, see if I can tune into the energy flow uh, like I normally do because it's so peaceful to be in and I could use that for a second. Um, so maybe I could I could tell some stories and move some of my energy that is, you know, with me at this moment. Uh, yeah, because this is, you know, my practice is owning authenticity and that is my literal practice. That's what I practice on a daily basis is being real and facing what is really happening in the moment as head on as I possibly can. Um, so some things that I've faced head on in the last week, uh, my grandma died. Uh, that was interesting. Um, I don't really talk about my thoughts on death and the transition that we make to non-physical energy very often. I don't share those with many people. Um, but every time one of my family members makes their transition, I go into this place of processing that and reorienting myself with their energy. Now that they are no longer physical, they're non-physical, their energy has transformed. And my understanding and my relationship with that energy must also transform. So that was, you know, it was, it was really interesting because I, I woke up in the middle of the night, which I don't normally do. I normally sleep pretty soundly throughout the night, but I woke up and I was awake for like two hours. And then I found out first thing the next morning that my grandma had made her transition during that time. So I felt like I had connected with her energetically and was somewhat with her during that transition for her. Um, and I, I also don't talk about this very often, but I'm very into ancestors and ancestry in general. And, um, the thought that, you know, just like we're talking about, like energy never goes away. Like it, you know, that's basic science. Like energy cannot be created or destroyed. Like it just is, and it can change forms, but it cannot, cannot really go away. And I've always been very sensitive to energy. So, you know, people transitioning into non-physical isn't as much of a barrier for me as it is for some people, AKA I would put myself in the classification of medium where I feel the energy of people who are no longer physical. And <clears throat> with that, I've, I've felt that my whole life. And when I was small, I was very scared by these things that I could feel and see and hear. And, and I feel like I very much like shut that down. Like it was terrifying to me. I was tormented, um, in fear and no one understood or if they did, they weren't talking to me about it, about how they understood what was going on with me. Um, and so it was just something I tried to figure out on my own. And my best way to do that was just to like, you know, 
with our psychic senses, we can't really shut our eyes and not see, but subconsciously we kind of can. Like if we're so scared and we just really don't want it, I believe we can close our own valve, so to speak, so that we don't receive as much or, you know, just basically relegate that information that you are receiving into a place where you're trying to let it make as little blip on your radar as possible. Um, and that's, that's what I did for a long time. And then, you know, I didn't set out on a journey to like, you know, increase my psychic abilities. I wanted to get happy (laughs) and turns out raising your vibration, best thing you could do for your psychic abilities. It's actually called psychic hygiene, the practice of raising your frequency and clearing out your energy grid so that your psychic reception is as clear as it can possibly be. So there's your little tidbit for, for psychic hygiene. Um, so anyways, all of that to say, when a family member of mine passes away, I feel like I receive their energy into my grid. I say all the time that, you know, I'm way closer with my grandpa and my aunt who died a year ago. Um, and now even my grandma, she's only been passed for a week and I feel like I'm closer to all of them now than I ever was when they were physical. Um, because now there's like no barriers. They're with me all the time. Um, and so I got a mediumship reading at the beginning of this year, uh, from a friend of mine named Lori and she's fantastic. Would highly recommend if you're interested, get a hold of me and I can definitely hook you up with Lori. If you want a mediumship reading for her from her, um, was so amazing. Uh, in that reading, I got to hear from my aunt and my grandpa's um, all three of them. So my mom's dad, my dad's dad, and my grandma's dad, um, one of my great grandfathers and all three of them kind of travel in a pack and they basically look out for me is, is how Lori explained it to me. And I was already sensing that like they've been with me for a while. They are the first, uh, clump of energy that I really started like consciously interacting with. Um, and that was back in 2016. And so going into the whole Cecil K's experience and writing that business plan, I felt like I had my grandpa's like helping me every step along the way. These are so the stories that I don't tell anybody. So yeah, you can definitely tell we're on my podcast. P.S. I tried to make a video of this episode and it just was not meant to be. But now that there's no video and I'm just talking, yeah, totally ease and flow. Not all episodes are meant to have a video apparently, or so I learned. So yeah, after the reading with Lori, I started referring to, uh, my grandpa bubble of protection is how I called it first. Um, I've recently, since my grandma's passing, um, updated it to my ancestral bubble of protection. And it's basically this energetic sphere that like no harm can penetrate the sphere. And it's so fascinating because two weeks after my reading with Lori and where I coined the phrase grandpa bubble of protection and really started like working with that concept in my mind um, and thinking of them like that, two weeks later, uh, my grandma lives on a highway Uh, like her house is just right off the highway, her driveway connects to the highway and the highway is 65 miles per hour speed limit. 
And this guy is driving by and he like, I don't, we don't know why, but he passed out at the wheel going 65 miles an hour in his car. And while he was unconscious, he drove across the other lane of traffic into like down through the ditch into my grandma's yard, drives all the way up through her yard. She's got like a far, far yard there on that side and takes off the front of the garage knocks the propane tank three feet over and then does like speed racer lap around the house. And he like comes to, uh, when he gets to the front yard. And that means like he drove like parallel up along the back side of the house. He was on her back patio, meaning he was feet from the house. And he also missed a utility pole, like an electrical pole. Um, and so literally literally in that moment, as soon as I'm hearing this story, grandpa bubble of protection, I see this grandpa bubble of protection around my grandma's house. My mom happened to be inside the house as well. And they were both sitting like in the front of the house, meaning that if he had been like, you know, 10 minutes or 10 feet angled, uh, more to the right, like he would have rammed his car right into the front of the house and not the side of the garage. So yeah, like grandpa bubble of protection. (laughs) And so that was amazing. This is the fun part of the story, not really relevant to where I'm going with this. But when I told Lori that story, she was like, oh my gosh, it was your grandpa driving the car. Like when that guy passed out, your grandpa's energy, non-physical energy, source energy, you know, took over for him and well-being is dominant. The grandpa bubble of protection is dominant. So nothing, no harm can penetrate through that. It doesn't take any effort. Like my mom and grandma weren't in there thinking like we're putting out this protection energy so that no one rams their car into the front of the house today. They're in there putting a puzzle together and sleeping while the TV's going way too loud. That's what they were doing. They're just in there living their best life. And grandpa bubble of protection does its thing, whether I'm paying attention to it or not. And so I really enjoyed her interpretation though, that like he, that energy, that that's really how it works is like, if anyone even does come near us, like it, yeah, it just doesn't work. Like the energy influence is dominant. Uh, the well-being is dominant, period. And so I've really, really enjoyed working with that idea because there are a lot of scary things. I don't know if you've noticed that, you know, I could be totally off base here, but there are several scary things in this world, you know, like, like lots of scary things. And that's what's really on my mind is something that happened last night um, with I guess you would call him an acquaintance of mine, a person I know, um, Jojo, which I've mentioned Jojo on a previous episode. Uh, yeah, he and I have a history and last night was the latest installment of the saga and the unfolding and the becoming of everything that he is here to help me to learn. And it is fascinating that yesterday afternoon and the evening before, I was watching stand-up comedy by one of my favorite comedians, Hannah Gatsby. Um, She is a lesbian comic from Australia, and she is freaking hilarious. Um, She has two Netflix specials that you can watch, and there's a ton of stuff on YouTube. Um, So I was watching that yesterday, and she talks about a lot of stuff. Um 
she's autistic. So she talks about that. She obviously talks about being a lesbian and coming out as gay. Um, where she lived in Tasmania, Australia, uh, homosexuality was against the law. Not like marriage was outlawed, but like being gay was a crime and punishable with like legal ramifications for being gay until 1997. So she's like 40. So, I mean, she was already, um, actually, I don't know if she's 40. I didn't really do the math. That was kind of a guess. And now I'm second guessing my math. So the thing was, I think she said she was like 17, 18 ish when the law changed. And by that point, oh my God, like, I don't know how many gay friends I have listening to this, but you know, way before, way before you're 17, 18 years old. So that means like she grew up in this place where like you're taught to hate homosexuals and she is one. And so that's a self-hatred Rubik's cube that can take a lifetime to solve. And she's done a lot of good work on that self-hatred and that, you know, self-acceptance and self-love and overcoming shame and all of that. But in her early days, she was in such darkness. She attracted some really violent assaults, like some guy beat the shit out of her and two guys raped her all within just a few years. And so she talks about a lot of different stuff. She gets really real. That's like the whole point of her comedy. I'm doing air quotes around comedy because she talks about the purpose of comedy and, you know, how it creates connection and, um, shared, shared energy and shared experience. So I was watching that and I was really resonating with everything that she's describing and just the general, the general dynamics of the world that we live in. And I don't like to get too far into men, men v women. Like, I don't really think like that. I think about energy and we all have the capacity to be toxic assholes. Like that is not something that men have a monopoly on. Like women can be toxic assholes as well. And so that's something that I want to lay out there right off the bat. So when I talk about Jojo, I, I really try to not like, I'm not by any means like stretching this example into something that is a reflection of all men, but I do think it's fascinating what this particular man thinks he can get away with. And yeah, so maybe that's a good intro to just tell this story. And I kind of want to start from the beginning. Um, this morning, I wrote a journal entry that could probably best be described as who to look at if I wind up murdered. Like, that's basically the energy that I got out this morning um, was that fear of like, is he really going to do something to me? Because he's making me very nervous. He's making me very uncomfortable. Like I'm, I'm becoming nervous for my physical safety. And that feeling pisses me off. It pisses me off to have him think that he can behave like this for whatever reason he thinks. And I want to be as all inclusive as I can be because I'm also trying to like really understand what is going on here so that like, I mean, I said a couple episodes ago, you know, 
my Leo moon wanted to be seen and I'm ready for the good, the bad and the ugly of what it means to be seen. And, you know, I, I posted very recently about my, my job of owning authenticity on my personal Facebook page. And I, (laughs) I'm a little bit blown away that, yeah, this is, this is kind of the next installment of that story. But here goes. So I first met Jojo when I was 17 years old. I started working at a vet clinic uh, in our hometown. I We live in the same town then and again now. Um, and I worked there until I was 20. And Joe was a customer of that vet clinic. So he came in to buy stuff. He has cattle. Um And he needed stuff for them. So he would be in there rather frequently and always gave me a hard time. Like I say that with air quotes and I feel like that's, that's something that (laughs) I don't like to be given a hard time. I, I don't enjoy that. Like, and I, I wonder if you know what I mean. Like there's a difference between friendliness and joking around and banter and cracking jokes and sharing chuckles. And then just like being a dick and then laughing afterwards, like that's something very different. So that's kind of how I felt he approached me. Um, And he always just gave off this like creepy flirty vibe, like always made me very uncomfortable. And in my mind at that time, especially like he's a customer of the business I'm working at. I am a professional, like I can, I can separate myself from this. And like physically, he's always across the counter. Like we're never physically close. So somehow within all of that, I had like rationalized all of that to mean that he's harmless and like write him off. He's, he's fine. So fast forward about nine years and I had, you know, moved to Texas and done my software company thing and come back and move back to my hometown to open Cecil K's, the grocery store. And now I'm back in the same hometown. We're living in the same place again. And he would always come into the grocery store and like buy his beer, his, I mean, frequently buy his beer. And when he would come there, if I wasn't downstairs, he would like have a reason to come upstairs and talk to me. And like that office, there's only one door. And so like, if he's standing in the doorway, I'm trapped And that's very much how I felt as he would stand there and talk for 15 to 20 minutes and then, you know, go downstairs and buy his beer and leave. And so that was going on. And then, you know, this was 2019, July of 2019. Um, He worked it out. He approached me to host a beer garden, like Cecil K's would put on a beer garden at the rodeo. Um, all very small town, uh, version of this story. So we're doing a beer garden at the rodeo and then, oh my gosh, like not only was he stopping by the store more often to ask, you know, how's the beer garden coming along now? He's texting me often in the evening time, um, like eight, nine o'clock and wanting to know how's it going. And then wanting to do the back and forth, like banter thing, um, where he is giving me a hard time, but it's all just for chuckles. Um, and so a lot of those text messages, I just didn't respond to. I was like, this is, this is inappropriate. And my border is that I just don't have to respond. And so I didn't. And then we fast forward to the actual event, uh, where he had conveniently signed up to be, uh, the person who brought the, 
like the skid loader that we would use to carry the heavy stuff and like set up. And so that means that he's working on the, the daytime part of the project with me and my setup crew to like be there with us for several hours, helping us get everything set up. So we're ready for the nighttime. And so just very, I say overly helpful. And that is where I get called dramatic, but he's putting off a vibe this whole time that is just like, this is too much. This is weird. This is making me uncomfortable. I don't, I don't trust his motives, period. And that's a gut instinct that has, you know, very little physical evidence at that point to back it up. So what do I do? I continue to be nice to him. I continue to treat him with the same kindness and respect that I would anyone else. And then we get to the first night of the beer garden. And this is when the incident uh, takes place. And this is where something really like a, a switch flipped inside of me, something broke. And that whole evening, he had been drinking since very early. And that whole evening, he was doing the giving me a hard time thing. And I was getting really annoyed with it. And so my annoyance was mixing with my humor and I was getting a little bit more of a sharper tongue back to him. Like, like just quit it, like stop. And so when I started to engage in that, where I was like more like putting up my boundaries and not just playing into the joking part of it, he started saying that he was going to take me across his knee and spank me. That was now how he was giving me a hard time. Air quotes around giving me a hard time is that he's going to spank me. And he said that probably three or four times throughout the evening. It's like every single time he would come up to me, he would do the harassment thing. I would put up a boundary and then he would like threaten is my version, my word for it to spank me and then walk away. I'm like what the fuck? What the actual fuck are you talking about? I'm a grown woman. I am a college educated woman. I am an entrepreneur. I am like, what are you saying to me? How is that appropriate? So that's where I was. And then he comes up to me and he says, he, he's doing the harassment thing and he's just like not getting the clue. Um, so at that point, again, like I put my boundary out there just a little bit stronger. And he says, if you don't cut that out by the end of this weekend, I'm going to see what color your panties are. And my eyes got wide and I immediately backed up. My hands came up and I backed up so fast and so hard that I hit my head on the wall behind me. And that's what got the attention of the two friends standing there behind me who were working the event with me. And he walked away at that point as soon as they started paying attention. And I immediately told them what he had said. And they both were just as horrified and disgusted as I was. And they spent the rest of the beer garden experience basically running interference, basically like putting themselves between Jojo and myself. And that that really left its mark on me as far as like, I, I just like couldn't believe that he would say that. Like it felt so blatantly over the line to me. 
And at the same time, like, it's not technically illegal. Like what he did there isn't, isn't against the law. But I tell you what, it is fucking morally wrong if I ever did see it is like, you can't say that to someone. You can't threaten to spank them repeatedly and then threaten to like forcefully see what color panties they're wearing. Like, how is that okay? In your mind, Jojo, how is that okay? That's what I wanted to know. And so I did what I do best and I ghosted the situation. I ignored the fact that he existed. When he came in, I ran away. I told everyone that I worked with at the grocery store that he is not to talk to me. He is not to be left alone with me. If you see him alone with me, you come and you break it up right now, period. And they were all aware that is how it works. So I, he did come in a couple more times after the beer garden trying to make contact with me and my employees did not allow that to happen. And he eventually stopped trying. And then, so this at this point, I mean, that was July 2019. We're coming up on the two-year anniversary of the panty comment. And still, here we are. Now he doesn't come into the grocery store anymore. But in November, he commented on my Facebook post about the pandemic suck, my attitude doesn't have to journal that I made. Um that I made to help people focus on the positives about the pandemic, because there are so many, uh, which is maybe one of my most controversial opinions, but that's okay. Not the story for today. And he commented what kind of person would make money, would try to make money off the pandemic. And my girlfriend's sister and my girlfriend's mom both commented back to him and was basically like, dude, go away. Like take your negativity elsewhere. And that prompted him to think it was appropriate to send me a private message on my Facebook and say, you might want to tell your gay family not to fuck with me. Understand? Um, no, no, I don't understand. I really, really don't understand how you think that you have a right to say this to me after you were the one fucking with me on my post about my pandemics journal, my, my creative project that I made in my spare time just for fun that I'm sharing with people who might care about it. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't understand why you think that you're the victim in that scenario. I, I positively positively don't get it. But again, I did what I do best and I ghosted the situation. I didn't, I opened his message immediately, but I didn't respond. I blocked him from my Facebook, which is why I found it so interesting that I, (laughs) he's blocked from my Facebook. And I last night see that he put on my business page for owning authenticity. He posted, um, a con- or he posted a post, I guess you can find it under, go to my Facebook page, click into posts and then click on visitor posts. Um, he commented, this person is a fraud, thinks they're better than everyone else. Don't give her any money fake in all caps. Um, so he put that on my business page last night and is prompting me once again to revisit this question of why does he think that's appropriate? Where, where is the basis for this? Because within my reality, there isn't one. And that means that, okay, I need to go and understand his reality. 
because in his reality, he's allowed to behave like this. He's allowed to basically be rejected his advances. If you can call them that his harassments, um, they were rejected and he thinks that this is the appropriate response. That's fascinating to me. Like what world created someone who thinks that I, you know, like I said, I don't want to get too far into men suck or women suck or whatever, but like, as far as human behavior goes, that's not cool. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know what to do. Like I said, like the Facebook or the, the journal entry that I wrote this morning, like it was very much attempting to move the energy of fear that is inspired in me that like this person knows me in real life. And when his physical advances met a brick wall, now he's attacking online, but I continue to ignore him. And almost two years later, here we still are. And and seriously, like I go back to a couple episodes ago and I'm like, really, did you really want to be seen? Like, did you bring this all on yourself? And a little bit of me thinks I did, you know, like the, and that's where it fucking pisses me off. It really, really fucking pisses me off. Like I would say this is, this is tickling at my rage as far as answering the question of, what it's worth to me to own my authenticity. I think Jojo is here to help me clarify that I would risk a lot to be my authentic self. That even though he does inspire fear in me a little bit for my own personal physical safety, just like Hannah Gadsby says over and over in her Australian accent, good on you, good on you for, for making me afraid. Congratulations. That's your accomplishment. Now my accomplishment is going to be to take that fear and use it (laughs) to eat it and to let it fuel me to be unapologetically even more myself. And that's where I'm at. I don't think Jojo understands that he is like throwing gasoline on this fire of me. (sighs) Yeah. Hmm. I feel very much like the Phoenix rising from the ashes. Like, like this fire is burning away the last little bits of giving a fuck what people think about me because (laughs) Jojo's people and yeah, like people can make up whatever fucking conclusions they want. He writes on my page. I, oh my God, like writes on my page. This person is a fraud, thinks they're better than everyone else. Don't give her any money. Fake. I don't think you could write a more opposite statement about who I am. And of course, that's my opinion, and he's welcome to his. And that's why I won't be responding to that message or anything else that he continues to send me. Um, And instead, I'm going to continue to use these avenues that I've set up that feel so good to tell my story and use my voice and shine in my own authenticity. And if people show up that are enraged by me having boundaries and me being my authentic self. And they think that that makes me fake. Then so be it. I wish you well. I really do. No matter who you are, 
whether you're my best friend, you're the love of my life, you're Jojo, I don't fucking care. I wish happiness and good things for all living creatures because we're all connected. I, I would never send the kind of hatred back to Joe that he is sending to me. I just wouldn't do it because I don't want to feel it. I want to feel love because that's who I really am. And I want to contribute love to the universe because I think the world needs more of that. And Joe having his opinions doesn't change me, doesn't change who I am. And if anything, he has emboldened me (laughs) to be even more public about that special person that I am. So, yeah, I see, I see a bit of a shift in my energy, even in the 12 hours since he wrote that on my page. And I'm excited to see where it goes, you know, like, yeah, gasoline on the fire. Thanks a lot, Jojo. Until next time, folks, I'll see you on the next one.